Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And I'm Andrew. Oh my god, uh, we have a third person today. We have our very first guest. Ah, ah, did I say guest? I meant guest. Anyway, we have our very first guest. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, okay. I'm, con- I'm, I'm contractually obligated to say that I've not been withheld in Bruce's basement for the past six months. And I'm contractually obligated to say that I'm only allowed to podcast with Andrew. Mm. It's true. This is going to be our one and only guest. Uh, Andrew, for any listeners that might not know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first off, I would like to thank you guys for having me on because I love you guys. I love Uh talking with you guys. I love talking about Commander with you guys. And so, um, if you guys don't know me, uh, I'm Andrew. I go on a lot of the internet by my full name, which is Andrew McGreeny. Um, I've been playing Magic uh, for a long time. I started in Visions back in 97. Uh, Hell yeah. I I called it quits roughly about uh, just before Kamigawa. And then I picked it back up, uh, Scars of Mirrodin Block. And I've been largely a commander and cube player uh, ever since so that's that's like the 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 long and the short for me yeah andrew and i what is that the first time we met was at a gp worcester i think yeah gp worcestershire sure yes <laughs> worcestershire worcester. um and we just sort of hit it off recognize recognized that the other person was pretty cool guy and we wanted to spend more time together and then Gen Con hit. Yep. And for those of you who've been reading way back on my stuff, uh, during one of my articles, I talked about Gen Con and I made a specific point of saying, if you're going to Gen Con, you need to get yourself a Magrini. <laughs> and this has sort of been a running gag for Andrew and I now for years. It's just Andrew had done Gen Con plenty and i was just sort of following along figuring how 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 all this was going to work and uh we stayed stayed in the same room stayed in the same bed uh nice and, just oh, just just yeah, actually for the nice. record for the record i am big spoon in this scenario but i'm also kind of like a backpack for bruce like yeah, yeah. Just, Bruce, yeah. That's basically for those yeah. who don't know Bruce. Bruce is like six foot five, and I am not. So there's your math. Bruce told me the other day that he's six three. I went home and told my wife. I was like, Bruce is six three, and he. She was like, No way. He's definitely taller. So <laughs> you're taller. Okay, so Bruce is six four. Oh, sorry. The doctor's office tells me that I'm six five. However. My son, who desperately wants to be taller than me, says that he is 6'4". And so I always tell him that, no, I'm taller than you, and I'm 6'4". Therefore, you are only (laughs) 6'3", small fry. So, Bruce is 7' even, and... I met Magrini. I met you when? I think at a BrewCon. Brewcon? Yeah, it was certainly, Brewcon, certainly a like BrewCon. Three years yeah. ago. Um, <laughs> that's about it. I guess the the rest is history. I Yeah. Well, okay, so the whole reason we've got Andrew on here is he started doing this project and it really piqued my interest. And this is a, a 10 deck story. This is going, this is a project that will be taking. Years decades to <laughs> millennial to from start to finish <laughs> basically yeah um, so the idea well what am i saying andrew tell us about the project sure yeah and, and i'll give a little bit of context here just so people like understand the reasoning and rationale for why it is i'm doing what i'm doing right now so I came to the realization lately, and I think it's 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 the discussion that we've been having in the commander community for the last I don't know, year, two years. Like the you know, we talk about the homogenization of the format. We talk about yeah. 
you know, how consistent building decks has become and how uninspiring that has been for me. And, and I came to the realization that a huge amount of the decks that I still pilot on a regular basis are upwards of six, eight, close to ten years old now. Oh, wow. You know, like, the, there are some right. that just, like, they, you know, they were the first thing I built. And, like, aside from a couple of tweaks um, and, you know, just based on the, the proliferation of... <laughs> materials from wizards of the coast right now like they have essentially become time capsules like you know i look at a deck from 2012 and you know maybe it was updated consistently for four or five years but like there, you can see there's a clear point in which it cuts off and a lot of the newer decks i've been building you know particularly in colors where you know i try not to have decks that are similar color wise um so, like, just making sure, like, everything has its place and its justification for investment and playing. And a lot of the newer stuff, you know, I was trying to build in color combinations that weren't particularly inspiring to me. And then just the race to the bottom in terms of the efficiency of the cards we're now seeing across the colors. Like... I want to say like 70% of the deck was basically just pre-filled out from everything yeah. we're seeing in order to be competitive um, or to be fun. I'm using air quotes <laughs> for those that can't obviously see my hands. Um, and so I said to myself, like, what is something I can do to A, try to build decks in colors that I find uninteresting and B, how can I build those decks in a way that is not constrained by the templatization and the hom homogenization of Commander as it currently stands today? And so where that challenge netted me was this idea of, I call it the Diametrically Ravnican Project. And I do that just to be, you know, over the top in terms of, Wordy. <laughs> over the top in terms of language. <laughs> um, but essentially, you know, I wanted to take what is the core definition, the core like philosophical understanding of a Ravnican guild in Ravnica? Because obviously blue-red right. can mean 10 different things nowadays, depending on which set or world you're going to. And I focus specifically on Ravnica because that's those are the ones that we all know and love. Right. And I said to myself, what is the diametric opposite of that core understanding of this guild and so that's that's how this project kind of started and it's been a fun thought exercise to a think about these guilds in a super critical way of like what does this guild mean to me and then trying to find a theme that is coherent enough to actually build a deck around that represents the antithesis of that thing and so that's right. kind of how this all came together so the idea then is to take the homogeneity of a color pair and just try and find something that works in the reverse or on the opposite end of the spectrum yeah and and what i like about this format thus far format i again air quotes format um <laughs> this project is like i can justify the use of what are typically considered efficient cards if they fit thematically within the theme that I'm going for. So it's not like it's not like squid tribal or people with hats tribal, you know, where you're you're intentionally building right. for a I don't want to say a meme, but like, you know, you could be more mechanically interesting with this by finding ways of, of employing all of this stuff together. And so, like, the one example that comes to mind for me uh, that is pretty much common amongst most decks that include white is Path to Exile. And for the, the Selesnia deck that I have made, um, you know, Selesnia for me represents bounty. It represents plentifulness for the many. And so the opposite, the diametric opposite for that... Uh, was the notion of desolation, emptiness, the, you know, the mm -hmm. void, you know, scavenging for scraps. And so for me, playing Path to Exile in there 
you know, it's a it's a obviously a very efficient, very strong card from a commander standpoint. But thematically, you know, the idea of banishment to this desolate nothingness feels apropos. And so it's like <laughs> it's fun to be able to play, you know, within that kind of headspace of like how far can I I stretch open the aperture to like include cards that are less efficient but fit more on theme but then also these decks actually be able to sit at a table with a couple of unknowns and have still a relatively solid play experience even if the power levels have a bit of a delta between them i think we're no strangers to uh going too far in theme um i remember when i started playing magic i I mean i started playing back in i think my first release was dominaria the return to return to Ravnica um, sets were like I was still a new player when those were coming out, um, and I remember talking to somebody about like this. Oh, I've got this new green black deck. I was like, oh, I got this Golgari deck, and they were like, it's not really like it doesn't do the Golgari thing. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> uh, fair so it's, enough. It's just like it's it's interesting to see like the color pairings are so ubiquitous in terms of like their names on Ravnica that um, it's it's a breath of fresh air to hear that like you're trying to kind of be like look there's more to it than Golgari means reanimation um, Azorius is cops uh, yeah that what I used for Azorius for instance was you know the the crushing bureaucracy uh, and seriousness mm. of the guild. And so I went with my lovely little rabbit wizard, Quain, and decided to make a deck that was all about whimsical silliness. And mm. I think the other key piece here uh, to note for, for listeners is, rule zero aside, like I have a firm irreverence for what's legal and what's not legal. As long as it's <laughs> fun, we should be able to play it. And so two of the four decks that I've built thus far actually have a considerable amount of uncards included in them. And so, for instance, the Whimsy deck, like, you know, it's, it's got mechanically a lot of dice rolling, because that just feels fun to, you know, leave things up to chance to some extent. Um, but that leaves room for a lot of our interesting unstable cards. Because, like, uh, here's so. here's the wild bit. Like, the, the thing that got me excited about putting uncards into these decks... Um, was reading a card like Steel Squirrel. And for those at home, Steel Squirrel is an artifact creature squirrel. It costs oh, two mana for a 1-1, one, one, and it has two lines of text. Value. Um, I believe, Bruce, keep me honest, I think it's, I think five mana, you can roll a d6, but the important line of text is whenever you roll a five or higher on a die roll, you yep. add plus X plus X to the squirrel uh, until end of turn. until end of so until not, end of turn. Counters. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not a, it's not a perpetual effect. They weren't that busted with it. <laughs> but what's hilarious <laughs> with this and what's exciting about this is the fact that a it looks at all die rolls, so it's not just like one. Uh, so you could do multiple, and with the inclusion of rolling d twenties, d eights, you know, d twelves in Uh, adventures of the forgotten realms this creature suddenly becomes terrifying to roll with a d20 now that's a big squirrel and so you know there's there's that card uh which was super fun and exciting to build around for this and then the other one which has actually now made it into two decks is by gnome means and by no means is a white enchantment for a white pip and two colorless mana and it has two activated abilities. So for uh, one and a white, and remove a counter from permanent you control, so any permanent, uh, and any counter, the ability is create a 1-1 colorless gnome artifact creature token. It's got a second line that says, for one and a white, sacrifice an artifact. Choose any kind of counter a printed card refers to, then put one of that counter on target permanent. (laughs) Boom. So, So there's a lot... That, like we could probably spend the rest of this video on this card alone because mm. any counter from any printed magic card and you can put it on any 
permanent, not just your own. Um, so that's that's hilarious. Um, and I, <laughs> well, and then you pair it with uh, the cards from Akoria. Right. And now suddenly you've got flying tokens. Yeah, because it's not... I mean, it, it doesn't say, you know... a a printed card that you have in the game or nope, anything. Just, so you just, you just need to know, essentially, all yeah. of the potential tokens. Like, you could put loyalty counter. Like, in the rules <laughs> on, like, Gatherer and the official Magic website, it says you could put loyalty counters on a creature. They won't do anything, but who knows? Maybe they will down the line. And, <laughs> like, it, it's... I don't... Uh, it's That's close to verbatim, but, like, it's just really funny that that's, like, the official rules text or oracle rules text. You know, between Ikoria and a whole slew of other, like, sets that have just created proliferation of hilarious counters, um, mm. as well as the ease in which you can generate artifacts to sacrifice. Right. Because um, obviously the, the the conceit here is that you would leverage the gnomes that you are able to manufacture from removing the counters. But for instance, like I, I forget Bruce in our game, I spend I spell swindled something and suddenly had mm -hmm. seven treasure. <laughs> and it's like cool. Essentially for three treasure, two to sacrifice for the mana and yeah. one to sacrifice for the ability i can put an indestructible put a hex proof right. i i essentially can turn any sort of dinky creature into a god killer <laughs> which is what you know uh in in that game uh I, I i fail to recognize the attacking creature had menace um so that was the end of me unfortunately so like just being able to like just pump mana and treasure and artifacts into like creating you know like i would love to see quain just turn into this utterly horrifying because you do have for instance like plus two plus two counters they exist like yeah, you know, the old magic was was wild, you know, and they haven't eroded it to be two plus one plus one counters. No, it's a plus two plus two counter. Um, yeah. And then you could also use course, minus one or minus minus one minus two counters as removal. Like there's the the, the application is myriad for for this card, and I love it. Um, uh, it it gets use in my most recent deck, of which I actually have a couple cards here yet to be sleeved. Um, it is my Orzhov deck. Ooh. And so the Orzhov deck is really fun because for me, you know, the Church of Orzova or the Bank of Orzova, whatever you would like to call it. Uh, the Church Bank. Right, basically, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, like, they handle the finances for the Plane of Ravnica or, like, they, they're the treasury, so to speak. Um, if right. I'm if I'm getting this right, I'm sure some Vorthos will will rightly castigate me at some point. But yeah, their idea is money is power. So right, like so it's like they're they're the big four. Like they are the too big to fail bank of Ravnica. And so what is the diametric or antithetical opposite of that? It is startups. It is you know innovation. Um, and so how I built the Orzov deck is. Orzov Startups, and essentially okay. it's run by uh, Kambal, uh, Console of Allocation, who is the investor the, in... The startup. In, yeah, the investor in this startup. And this is a contraption deck. Oh. So basically you are, you are investing in this calamity machine. Um, and of course, if you're familiar... I, I don't blame you if you're not familiar with contraptions because it was a one-off... Um, thing yeah, let's, from let's find one. <laughs> um, so contraptions just... are in their own deck, um, and they require a specific action in order to be created. And they actually get put on different sprockets, uh, which you crank. And when you crank a sprocket, you can activate the abilities of any or all of the contraptions on that given sprocket. Now, what's really funny about contraptions, though is while the deck exists in its own space um, and they have their own graveyard so they go to the scrapyard they don't go to your graveyard um, and you can't just they can't just come out of thin air they have to be um, assembled 
Oh yeah, so like certain cards will say assemble a contract exactly or uh, reassemble if you certain criteria. Yeah. And right. um, but what's interesting about this is that while they have their own independent zones, they do when they when they exist and they're on the sprockets, they are on your battlefield. So oh. they can be targeted, they can be sacrificed, um, and you, they're artifacts. And they're artifacts. So once again, by no means has hilarious application. <laughs> In this, potentially, because it's like, oh, I could just convert this Garbo uh, contraption that's doing nothing for me right now into an indestructible counter or a yeah. hexproof counter. So, like, I think I think if if any of our listeners are still unsure about these contraptions, they're, they happen, you, you crank it when you're told to crank it, or is it at the beginning of your turn? I don't remember. Uh, I believe it's your upkeep. You okay, move... So you, oh, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. At the beginning of your upkeep, oh, okay. if you control a contraption, move the crank counter to your next sprocket and crank any number of that sprocket's contraptions. Yeah. Um, do you do you have all of them in your contraption deck, or do you have, like, specific ones? You know, so, so what they say for constructed, there's no rules on Commander, but what they have is just like a macro ruling on constructed formats okay. um, that states you need a minimum of 15 contraptions in your contraption deck. That makes so sense. what I have right now is just arbitra like an arbitrary 20, just to make it a rounded right. up number. Um and like you know, I I haven't you know I, I only have one ofs. I think that's the other another rule that they have perhaps for commander specifically is similar to your commander deck uh, aside from basics obviously uh, that you may only have a singleton of or you can only have one of each card because it's a singleton format so it's not like i'm i'm gearing this deck up with like four of sundering fork for instance <laughs> right. or like it's it's probably good that you don't have multiples because you could just put one on each of your slots right. and then just repeat it break the game over. Besides, if you've got the same thing on every crank, it virtually says that your startup is guaranteed. No startups are guaranteed. That's no. violently against the theme of the deck. <laughs> That's true. And also, uh, like we're, by virtue of the fact we're 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 discussing the utilization of contraptions in Commander, we are certainly not trying to optimize our decks by any means. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's kind of inherent in the design of what we're trying to do in the first place. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think, like, if, if you start to do that, like, if you start to optimize your contraptions, like, people are going to be like, no, I don't want to play with those. Right, like, the rules, yeah, it's going to be like, yeah, this is like a highly tuned contraption deck that's meant to just, like, you know move me into the end game as quickly as right. quickly as possible again like <laughs> you know it's 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 an inherently janky type of mechanic because like if anything you get an effect once every once every four turns oh yeah once around right. so yeah. It's, yeah so it's like it's not nearly as you know not nearly as efficient <clears throat> when you only have one of each effect yeah um right and it definitely feels that the silver-bordered rule of Commander in that you can use silver-bordered cards and people are generally going to be okay with that unless it makes it broken. Uh, so, by no means huh. is a great card and it's a lot of fun. However, you could easily set this up to make this busted and then suddenly it's no fun and everybody's looking at you like, no, that card's got to go. Yeah. Well, especially if you start, you know, you start to go down the, the path of optimization where it's like, you know, I want to make sure every game I get by no means out by this turn and I want to do X, Y, and Z things to these creatures to make them as uh, oppressive as possible. You know, so you start to, you know, introduce tutors. Essentially, you go down that pathway of like, how do I make this thing do this one thing, which is intentionally what this is trying not to do. You know, right. it's, it's and if you've reached a... the point with your deck that you're tutoring for the silver boarded card, you've gone too far. Time to back it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of like with your Grisilda deck, you're like, I'm yes. just tutoring for BFM every time. Uh... <laughs> so, but here's so here like the the fourth deck. So we so we talked about three of them. I talked about 
Selesnia Desolation, at least in the concept of what the deck yeah. is about. Um, the last deck that I'll talk about, which is a, that I have built, and it was ironically the first one that kind of got me excited with this, so we kind of did one of these, mm -hmm. like this, like all over the place, um, as it is with me and my, my brain, but is my Boros deck. And like Bor like this was this was where it all started because it's like Boros is just the militant do good guy. Like it's just like you know the policing, you know the the militant, you know being the <laughs> the do gooder and protecting from the yeah. bad guys and you know scandal, you know protecting from you know the 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 seedy underworld. You know just thinking like that kind of stuff. And so for me it was like, all right, so how do I make like an outlaw slash scoundrels like backdoor back alley like sin not even sinister just like you know the the way this deck came together is like how do i make the equivalent of like a drunken tavern brawl between all of these Hell like yeah. questionable folks and what are they all doing here in the first place and so that deck is piloted by, or run, or, or the the operation is run by. I think it's probably the better way to say it. Uh, Ragavan and Bruce Tarl, and I think actually like one of the big flavor wins in researching this deck and trying to figure out what the ideal combination or like commander would be for this is the fact that it is canon that both of these, and I'll part of my French breaches. Both. Oh, sorry. Did I say Ragavan? You said Ragavan. Yeah. I said uh, it, it, that card's expensive. Forget it. Um, <laughs> I meant breaches. Um, breaches and Bruce Tarl. Uh, yeah. They are both canon as being uh, quite um, voluminous shit talkers. Like they are all about taunting and you know just like talking smack in the fight and just like goading just, people on and just real hockey players <laughs> yeah just just y'all y'all just really getting in there y'all but uh yeah so it's just like having you know like pirates and uh, just brawlers and you know like robber of the rich was a favorite for me and this deck got really fun because it became a boros deck that's not as inclined towards attacking uh, mm -hmm. but it does like to steal a lot of stuff from other people so it's like it, you make treasure you make bets um, you're stealing stuff off the top of people's uh, decks and trying to cast them um, so it it fit flavorfully from a thematic standpoint and also mechanically in terms of like what the deck is trying to do like right you know uh, there's a couple of new cards that I really loved for this um, um, mm. one of my favorite new cards from Modern Horizons 2 that I have up is Tavern Scoundrel Ooh! and so this is a 1-3 human rogue for one red pip and a colorless mana and it says whenever you win a coin flip create two treasure tokens and then the second line of text is for a colorless tap and sack another permanent flip a coin so like the only thing you're getting out of this is maybe treasure but I did have a funny uh, sequence, I think with us, when I was playing this, um, because I had, um, oh, what's the new, the new white creature that you get creatures if you have less, and you get lands if you have less. Oh, uh, Keeper of the Accord. Keeper of the Accord. Yeah. Um, and so essentially what I was doing in this game was I was pretty much on par lands-wise with someone at the table. Uh, and what I would do is I would sack a land uh, at the end step to essentially flip a coin to see if I net a free treasure and then trigger Keeper of the Accord in order to get the land that I just sacrificed in replacement. So it was mm. like almost like a no harm, no foul, just hilarious little interaction that, you know, doesn't necessarily, you know, it's a 50-50 shot, maybe, if it nets me an extra mana at some point down the line. But, like, <laughs> why not? Like, that's yeah. that's part of the fun. I think it's it's interesting, too, that you bring up uh, how your decks seem to be time capsules. Because, like, I know so many people who just kind of make a deck, and then it sits there. And, like, you play it, and never change it. Um, which has its benefits, um, 
and also you're not always worrying about oh i need to i need to update it for the new set uh which is so stressful for so many people Uh, well that only gets multiplied as you add decks to the quiver like you know yeah you have if you have like you know i probably have you know with the inclusion of these new decks that I've put together in paper, I probably have like 10 to 12 again. But like, you know, for folks that have 20, 30, 40 more decks, like <laughs> it is such a, a colossal exercise to try to, you know, keep things up to date. And, you know, especially as cards like just objectively get better um, and more optimized right. and just do more. Like, it gets really tough because, like, there's, like, and that's why, like, I just kind of, I hit the, I hit the, the eject button on that exercise. Like, I keep my cube up to date, but that's because, like, I only have two cubes, and that's far easy <laughs> from a, two cubes. Yeah, it's, it's so much easier from a list. Yes, I know that's ridiculous to hear when I, when I, when I say it out loud, but. Like it, <laughs> I get it. I mean, there's there they do different things. Some folks, some folks have their kinks, and like, sure, I like to have a couple of commander decks, a couple of cubes, uh, yeah. but it's so much easier to maintain two things on a monthly or quarterly basis versus twenty. You know, it's the, the, I'm not great at math, but I could tell you that that one thing is easier to do than the other. Like, oh yes, definitely. <laughs> especially, I mean, especially with most cubes where they're generally singleton. Um, right. You don't need, you know, like oh my god, I need a, a what's the what's the red create treasure? Oh, dockside extortionist. Dockside extortionist. I mean, people are ripping their hair out because they like they don't have one for every red deck they have, and it's like I don't have one because. No thanks. I mean, I would love one, but I think well, I accu- yeah. I've accumulated three, but I'm only using two. Um, one is just sitting in in like my my loose box for whenever. But like, there is an example of a creature in the Boros Outlaws deck that like super expensive, super powerful, given the modern mm-hmm. state of Magic. But it fits flavorfully into the deck, and it's not like oh, I'm going to drop Dockside Extortionist. I'm going to flicker it. 12 times and then i'm going to combo <laughs> off it's like no i'm probably going to sacrifice one of these to flip a coin to see if i could make more treasure <laughs> that that kind of like brings Perfect. it that brings it to this point that i i feel like i'm always bringing up in these episodes where um it's it's not about the cards that you put in the deck it's how you use them mm-hmm. like so many people are like oh i'm not going to put this card in my deck because it's too powerful or it's like not powerful enough and it's like well if you use them the right way it could be either, um, and it it I mean it's the same with like uh, kind of counters where it's like you could counter literally everything on the board all the time, mm-hmm. but like if you got the counter in hand and you're seeing somebody is about to do something cool, it's going to be big, sure, but like do you counter it? Um, it's it's those moments of of restraint that generally makes for a more memorable game mm-hmm. right um now actually it's funny it's funny that we're talking about this because like literally just the other night i was discussing with another known associate like you know again if if you don't know me the one thing to know about me is that enchantress is my kink like i will find a way <laughs> to put enchantress in every color um it's in my powered cube my powered cube is warped to the point where like it like enchantress is a viable format in a (laughs) broken vintage level like (laughs) format and i was sitting there and i was saying to myself like what would be a fun air quotes fun scenario where i get to use dress down in broken ways Mm mm-hmm Dress down one in a blue for an enchantment with flash. When dress down enters the battlefield, draw a card. Uh, creatures lose all abilities, and at the beginning of the end step, sacrifice dress down. Hmm. So this has some really funny applications. Like right now, it's seeing play in legacy. Uh, I think at least legacy, maybe vintage, probably not, but at least legacy. Where folks are using this as a way to cheat in Phyrexian Dreadnoughts um, really easy. 
Okay. Of course. Um, but where this went with my head and my brain was I don't uh, like I don't have an Esper deck, um, but I do love Enchantress. So if I wanted to do Esper Enchantress, not with Zer because uh, F Zer in the A. If I did an Esper Enchantress deck, like a funny scenario that I proposed to a known associate uh, was uh, casting Dress Down and cheating in to play a Phage, the Untouchable. Classic. And then... Uh, the only way to play Phage is cheating. Right. Basically, basically, for folks at home, the card just says someone loses the game at some point. Somehow. Um, <laughs> and that's all you need to know. And basically, uh, what I want to do, because I've, I've had this in my head since this card was printed, was casting Fractured Identity on my own page and just watching everyone simultaneously lose the game <laughs> by receiving a copy of their own page. Amazing. Um, so... Uh... <laughs> It's all, all. There's a lot of stuff on Phage. All you need to know is that at some point, someone will lose the game. Amazing. Uh, that is beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and like a lot of a lot of mana to like. Those are some big hoops to get through. Uh, Phage, I think, is six. Fractured Identity is. Five. What? I That's what I'm saying. Like you, you. If you could find, if you could reanimate Phage, if you can, like, yeah. It doesn't matter how Phage gets into play once you have dressed down live so that's that's the fun bit of figuring that little puzzle out um and of course with uh with having white in this like you get you know you get some enchantress effects like the one that really jumps out to me that i i enjoy is hall of heliod's generosity love um, that card so basically volrath stronghold for uh, enchantments. I probably just made that even more confusing for folks who don't know what the first <laughs> Academy is. ruins for uh, enchantments. Yeah, you know, like, cool. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's all in the family. It's almost like they're trying to make a cycle of these. Um, uh. But, like, so being able to have, like, enchantments that, like, die essentially, and being able to bring them back. So, like, dress down. Like, the, the bit of text on this that I forget is that this isn't a true humility effect. This is something that is only around for a hot second and then it leaves. So it's like, can you find ways to recur this and do it over and over? Like, once again, you're going to start cheating towards and optimizing towards that scenario. Like, getting it off as, as consistently as you can, which, bleh. Um... <laughs> But you know, dress down. Dress down is one of those cards uh, I'm hot to trot on trying to figure out what to do with because um, it just seems really, really funny. Yeah, that's so. Like, yeah, there's just so many applications for this card, um, and it replaces either, itself. So it's not yeah. like it's a cantrip if nothing else. Oh my god, I misread this card. It says creatures. Mm -hmm. I thought it said like I thought it was like an aura, and you. Amazing. No, it's, it's amazing. A, it's, it's it's a global effect. It's holy a, shit! I thought this was an aura the whole time. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Well, so yeah, it's like okay. Reading like, the card somebody, explains the card. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna cheat in, you know. Let's say um, collect not collected company. What's the what's the uh, the instant speed? Put a creature into play uh, with uh, convoke. Um, yes. Court of Calling. Court of Calling. Court of Calling, yeah, so it's, uh... Quarter Calling. Cord. C-H-O-R-D. Quarter Calling. Court of Calling is a green instant for three green mana and X. And it has also Convoke. Um, which says your creatures can help cast a spell. Each creature you tap while casting the spell pays for a colorless or one mana of that creature's color. And so you can search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield and then shuffle. And so, like, a lot of times you'll just hmm. have somebody be like, cool, I'm going to court a calling in this crater huff. Or, you know, like, I'm going to cheat in this creature. You know, essentially right. is what this says. 
and I'm so, going to go find it and put it directly onto the battlefield. Right, and you could say, cool, that's cool. Uh, I'm going to, in response to your court of calling, uh, play Dress Down, and your creature is just going to show up as a vanilla thing. That's beautiful. Um, so it's just like if you're, you know, it's secret tech for those that are in more competitive scenarios because, like, if you know, like, Oh, someone's gonna wild pair, or somebody's gonna court a calling, or somebody's gonna cheat the thing in. Um, like even just being able, like the 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 Thassus Oracle example, like you know, you consultation for whatever, you exile your deck, right. you play um, Thassus Oracle, and you win. Cool. But essentially, like you know, the the con the the Oracle consultation combo can get mixed with this because like person consultations. Uh, you know at that point that Oracle is going to hit the table at some point. So being able to respond in any of these moments prior to Oracle hitting the table, you can negate Oracle's ability to do the search and therefore win. Yeah. That's beautiful. Also, being uh, able to do this on someone's upkeep when they have a lab maniac out and they have nothing in their hmm. graveyard. It's like, uh, no, I'm going to... You know, I'm going to say, like, do you have... A, actually, it's a great question. Do you have a moment before... Oh, yeah, you just do it in their upkeep. Like, because Lab Maniac just checks for when you draw. So if you're just yeah. trying to win off your draw step, you just do this on their upkeep, and they either respond with something that can trips, or draws them a card, or they just lose. Yeah, or even better, <laughs> before they even untap. Um well, it, it, it's only... Well, does it... Uh, hold on, I need to pull... Trace. Oh, it's... Yeah, it's... I, That's the, the yeah. last bit of text is what gets you. It's not a... Oh, it's not you a do it. You do it during their end. The person before theirs end step. Oh, and it sticks at the beginning of the, the end fall. step. Yeah. Word, 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 word. Um, crazy. Um, Love it. <laughs> tech fruit. And it's it's got some great art and uh, a sexy name, so... I'm gonna dress you down. I'm here for it. Um... So Andrew, I wanted to ask a quick question. I want to go right back to the uh, uh, to the series that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. What's the next in the series? Uh, well, you and I, Bruce, actually, we discussed. Yeah. Uh, is it being a potential sore spot for people? And and again, this is this is an exciting. You know, I think it's exciting because it's like it forces you to think. You know, less outside about, the bun. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what 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 that Andrew said. Um, <laughs> you know, so is it, you know, like we talked to, oh, let's, let's, let's brainstorm this live for a second. You know, we talked about it a little bit, you know, there's, uh, the experimentation, there's the science, you know, there's the, the, the fearlessness aspect of just like trying whatever. And if it goes boom, it goes boom. Like it's, it's for science. Um, right. So like, there's a lot of interesting angles to potentially go this way. I didn't know. Bruce, if you had a chance to have a think about like what what the opposite of is it to you was, well, I mean, I had talked about this as the careless science, um, and when we were talking, your response was the idea of uh, the opposite of is it is like prudence or caution, and that just that rang a bell for me. That was exactly what I'm looking at. My problem is that. Where my brain goes then is that I end up focusing in on just blue. Mm -hmm. Because just blue, it's a very easy to get to that prudence, that careful, the cautious, the considered, that's blue. So I was I had already started going down this path of, ooh, I'll build an is it deck that's blue. Okay, blue, but let's take out all of the chaotic aspects of red. I, I, it's gonna be I, hard to this do. isn't yeah yeah this is stop this has stopped being the opposite and started being look we've got enemy colors i just chose one yeah i mean right. i think that's correct me if i'm wrong i think like a lot of the ravnican guilds tend to not generally favor one side over the other but like the the patterns that we see played generally are like for instance, is it is a lot of like spell based, instant sorcery based, burn, etc. Uh, 
So, like, it generally, again, generalizing, uh, tends to, on the outside, seem more red-heavy. I mean, I don't think... I think flipping that on its head would see more blue. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think with... It's interesting because I think with Prismari having come out in Strixhaven, um, it has kind of lent this idea of creativity to blue and red, which I think retroactively kind of fits into this is it theme of like unpredictability um, and like over the top, like uh, experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, if I may add my opinion, I think the opposite would kind of be like structural engineers. Uh, <laughs> um, possibly permanent based uh, walls. <laughs> um, Literally building <laughs> on the battlefield, building. Yeah. yeah building yeah. with walls on the battlefield. Uh, <laughs> Is it walls? Does seem pretty funny. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, so it's like, that's, you know, that's that's a direction. Like, I was trying to think, like, in my head I put, I put Simic and I put Is It kind of next to each other because they're all about, like, progress, whereas, mm-hmm. like, Is It is progress from a tech <clears throat> slash spell slash, like, innovation kind of space. Where right. Simic is about like evolution, you know, it's like about the genetics. It's the Darwinism kind of thing, which is interesting. So I see those as kind of like being on a parallel path, which is funny because they both include blue. Um, so for <laughs> me, it's like if if you think about you know, so like structure structure is really fun because yeah, it's you know like it's loose, it's off the chain, like it's like you know, you know frantic. You know, is another word that you know that's another one that you could kind of gravitate towards. There is like you know, um, the the franticness of things, like what's the opposite of that? But then also the idea of technology and innovation. You know, what's the, you know, is this all like, you know, derpy trolls and giants who, you know, just break stuff or like don't, you know, don't know how to use technology. And it's like, <laughs> you know, there's there could be something funny, more something more primal there that you could play with in terms of just like, that kind of world because um, you do have i mean you, you know to use kaldheim you do have is it giants to some extent so like the idea of building that space out is interesting yeah. um i don't know that what about the idea of uh pirate with a plan so there's you've got the chaotic actor and yet you've created a situation where uh it's more careful planning Maybe I'm even thinking of like uh, I don't know uh, a warrior sniper, uh, where you know, to me that the idea of is it is the shotgun blast. It's you know, boom. That's okay. Now what happened? And the sniper would be the would be the inverse of that. <laughs> so oh, I like that. So I pulled. So this is something I've been doing. Actually, I love that. Uh, something I've been doing with these to kind of like help a, you know, this is a fun exercise because you have to get really into the the head of like what it means to be a part of the, the in this case, the is it league. And so I actually went to the MTG wiki and I'm, I'm reading the background and it's, it's kind of funny because they're actually, Andy, they're, they're not as opposed to what you were talking about with the engineering because the is it league are charged with attending to Ravnican civic works including water supply systems, sewers, heating systems, boilers, and roadways. Hmm. So it's like they are almost like the 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 city planners, the city engineers of right. Ravnica, which is kind of funny. Um, but then like some of the things I was keying into just now, in addition to carrying out these functions, the Isit members, obsessive, keen, and creative individuals who also have short attention spans, I'm pointing to me. <laughs> are no- and me. Are, are known to perform magical experiments, even with reckless abandon and sometimes with spectacular but severe results. Ooh. So there's a lot of really fun, like, footholds creatively to kind of play in there. Just the guys I want 
Managing my plumbing. <laughs> my, my sewer system. <laughs> the people who want to blow hate. shit up. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, dear. Took me a second to get that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, recklessness. You know, reckless abandon. Yeah. You know, like, that's kind of where we went initially. Um, spectacular. So what does a mundane is it deck look like? <laughs> like... <laughs> Is it like sleep? Like, is it like, like sleep style effects? Like boring people? <laughs> I mean, I once knew a structural engineer, and he was the most boring person I ever met. But <laughs> I actually might, I might try to figure out how to do that. Like, you know, what does a, <laughs> what does a, a boring day in the life is it deck look like? So, like sleep. Um, that's the only that's the only one that's coming to me right now. Hold on, I'm gonna put. You have to find yourself a goblin accountant. There's <laughs> there's charmed sleep, uh, which is from mm-hmm. from adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, it, it, basically, you can make this into like a tap untap deck, which is just kind of funny. Um, you know, there's coma veil. Uh, of course, coma veil. I don't know what it is, so I'm sure no one knows what it is. Uh, Coma Veil is an aura um, from Shard's Block, um, and it is a five-mana aura, so it's blue and four. Uh, Enchant artifact or creature. Uh, Enchanted permanent doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. Oh, okay. That's that's it. I mean, yeah, that's that's an expensive way to do that, but sure. (laughs) Like I've just I've just keyed it on sleep right now, but like mm, same honestly, you know, <laughs> sigil of sleep that's a pretty good one. Sigil of sleep is amazing on the right uh, right creature, right? Um, so boring could just be like if you find find cards of like you know I think about like the like all the classic Urza block cards and again like you know we made the joke earlier that it's not you know this isn't meant to be like themes of like people wearing hats. But like, imagine like imagine cards where artwork where people just look severely bored, <laughs> like lectures, you know, like mm. that's actually so. There's another there's another angle. So like you know like like the school aspect dissertation. Mm. <laughs> you know, welcome to my TED talk. Uh, please feel free to fall asleep <laughs> for the next fifty minutes. Um, so that's I love TED Talks. I, I, I Actually, I mean, I do too, but like, <laughs> just commit to the bit, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. TED Talks are boring. TED Talks, boring. I like them, but they're boring. Um, man. Um. <laughs> but you could, but even just like right now, like you could see like, we all have our interpretations and nobody's right, nobody's wrong. <laughs> There's no... S- the NPR of Is It. Oh, my... Oh. Oh. I kind of <laughs> dig that. Like, it's like the... What's the equivalent of elevator music? Like, what's the equivalent of Muzak in Commander? <laughs> <laughs> but that's... So, like, here's... Or, or, here's actually... That just made me think of another one. So, so Is It's all about... It's, like, it's big. It's bright. Um, what if it was... What if it's subtle? What if it's like under the radar? What if it's secretive? Like what if it's Ooh. you know th- there's a like so blue and red you definitely have options if you wanted to make like you know where you have the big fiery explosions like of is it and you wanted to to dial that down to like the subtle like minutiae of you know yeah the uh, being the opposite like there's you know you could probably go to a lot of more demure blue cards in that right. world demure or like even from like conspiracy sets um, yeah yeah i mean those those mono blue cards are oh my god uh what about here's here's a here's a a uh a brief for you uh what does an is it murder mystery look like Ooh. <laughs> Everybody did it. I mean, that's just that's that's that spoiler alert. Just murder on the orange. I was just Express. gonna say, like, yeah, come <laughs> on, Poirot would be like, what the fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I had questions 
that I mean we pretty much have answered all of them. Um, do you do you have like a like a a self assigned deadline for all of these, or are you just kind of releasing them as you go? I mean, I'll be honest, like this is more just this is more just an exercise for me to build in colors that I I have like I said at the beginning, like I just I find uninspiring because you you tend to go down the same paths all yeah. the time. And so, like, you know, like, I may or may not make an Is It deck because I have, like, one of my oldest decks is actually a Nin the Pain Artist deck. And that deck is all about, like, it was my, this is a shout out to 2012 Commander Cast, but, like, when I was, <laughs> when I was guesting on there, you know, it was the, the concept of Aikido decks, like, using people's momentum and resources against them. So copy spells you know, copy creatures, you know, all of that stuff. So like, you know, there's like your blatant thieveries in there. Um, there's so many, there's so many big expensive cards that have just been utterly replaced in more typical decks right. nowadays. But again, it's a time capsule. I love the thing. And it tends to do silly, stupid things with like your time spirals and stuff. It, it doesn't win by a storm, but it can do a lot of stuff on the stack, which is really funny. <laughs> Um, but that said, like there, you know, there may not be an opportunity. Like if I, if I stay true to my concept of just not having, uh, multiples of, of colors or color pairs, like the, the idea of a, is it murder mystery party is really interesting, but I may not do that solely as a red blue deck. I may do that as maybe a Jeskai deck, which is another color combination for me that famously uh is a snooze fest and i'm sorry <laughs> to uh my good friend the jess guy on twitter but yeah you could put five decks up and it, it, it would be like it's the same thing like every time <laughs> not not you specifically i'm not attacking you um but uh no I yeah so it's like uh in terms of a deadline i don't have a set deadline because i'm just mm-hmm. building for the color pairs that I don't particularly myself find interesting to build. And so this is just an avenue to build in those colors that I haven't necessarily given much thought to in a long time. Um, right. That said, I would love to see, you know, how each of us could potentially take our concept of visit um, from this discussion and build a deck and see how different it is. Because again, we're not constrained by, we need to have this many ramp spells. We need to have this right. much removal. Like we're just kind of like, what's our theme and how do we want to build it and make a decent, fun deck out of it as a result? I'm a hundred percent shotgunning the the murder mystery party for this because that just <laughs> that seems really funny. <laughs> I'm gonna have a lot of fun with that. Hell yeah! Um, so uh, to kind of start wrapping things up, other places people might know you. I mean, you've got your second cube i mean you had mentioned your your vintage cube but you've also got your uh yeah so so the arch enemy cube which i think is arch enemy cube that's the word yeah so so i have my i have my powered cube which is super fun to play with but then i also have a uh arch enemy cube which is all about like that was basically my covid project um yeah which you know essentially was like how do i when we're all able when we're all able to come back together um, and play magic with one another in person. Like, what's a way that we could dial up the social interaction aspect? And so, you know, building a cube that intentionally has hidden information and almost like a werewolf or mafia style structure to it of like, yeah. you know who you're going to be playing with, but you don't know who the bad person is. Like, it's just really <laughs> fun conceptually. And I'm sure you've, I mean, I know you've talked about this elsewhere. Um, so we'll provide some links in the, the show notes below if you want to send any over. For sure. Um, but, uh, I mean, again, people can find you pretty much anywhere on the internet as at Andrew McGreeny, all one word, right? Um, anything else you want to shout out or uh, plug? Um, I don't have really anything else too much to shout out. Like, you know, it's just really just looking forward to hanging out with people, looking forward to hanging out with you guys more because... Uh, I tend to travel a lot for magic, um, going to events and stuff. I don't compete because I'm terrible at the game, um, but I just love to <laughs> hang out and uh, like just 
do crazy things like what we've been talking about this whole time. Well, it sounds like you've been the perfect first guest for our show. Um, I will say real quick, um, if you're not following Andrew on Twitter, uh, you should. Uh, I started a, got, I started a second Twitter account just to follow Andrew. <laughs> there you go. Andrew's got something that... Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is just about every day. Pack one, pick one. Oh, yeah. Pack one, pick one's a, a consistent thing for me. Um, you know, I, I can't go without a day without at least uh, yelling from the, the mountaintops to, to dear friend Gavin of Misher one time. Um, we oh, are yeah. now I mean, we're now in the end game because we now have the Brothers War coming uh, next yeah. year. So oh, yeah. uh, we got what fourteen months and counting. Fourteen months worth of Mishra one time. I still need to get that <laughs> printed on a T-shirt, um, of which I will do. Um, yeah, pack one, pick one. So if you're interested in having you know discussions about like the logic of like where do you go in a cube draft when you have your first pack seated in front of you. Um, you know, that's super fun. Yeah, it's always fun, too, because, like, I know that when I st uh, started following you years ago, I would, I mean, when I started seeing this, I would always, like, think to myself, like, what would I actually pick? And then I would, like, read the comments be like, oh, my God, I don't know how to play Magic. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I made the cube, and I and don't know either. Just, yeah, and then I just started saying things, and it, I'm like, yeah, this seems right, like, because it, it doesn't matter. Um Oh, um, it, I guess uh, this week, as of recording, we just had the big announcement for the next year releases. Uh, which which of the seven sets are you most excited for? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's totally Kamigawa, right? No, it's it is one thousand uh, percent the Brothers War because for me, like nothing nothing captures magic to me more than the classic story of the, the two feuding brothers basically destroying the world. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, I, I for, for those that don't know, I, I collect a fair amount of original magic art. Um, and I'm kind of known for the key theme that I have with my uh, a lot of my collection, which is, uh, I, I call it Bots and Baubles. Um, because I love artifacts, I love artifice, and so, you know, collecting sketches of, you know, online versions or, or you know, uh, tournament versions of, like, the, the Moxon, um, you know, having various robots and stuff like that, like Solemn Simulacrum, you know, there's, there's, like, there's just such cool aspects to it, and so, you know, seeing that get announced, I mean, first off... <laughs> I've never gotten so many notifications so quickly about M Mishra one time as I did <laughs> when I was not looking at the internet yeah. and suddenly I have the gamut of people saying, yeah. oh, it is Andrew's time. And like, that was exciting. But then also just from my perspective, you know, memes and shit posting aside, like, being able to live into that story again more specifically um and we're also before that we're actually going back to dominaria i guess in the modern day because there's a, another dominaria set as well which is cool i'm excited magic's a great game um, still make way too much of this shit for me to keep up though man like <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, i was gonna say if you're collecting uh art pieces relating to you know bits and baubles and there's a Brothers War set coming out. Andrew, save your money. Which, 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 yeah, we haven't discussed here, obviously, is kind of an impossibility right now because I, uh, I just bought an apartment here in Manhattan. So um, I actually hate money, so I like to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Um, Don't we all? And, uh, um, and with that, I mean... Uh, We'd love to have you back at some point. I'm sure you can't um, get rid of me. I live in I live in Bruce's basement. I thought we we, we we joked about this at the beginning, and we did this over a Zoom call. <laughs> Service is great down uh, here. I don't know what you're talking about. Amazing. Um, <laughs> so I think that's gonna be it for us today. Uh, thank you all for listening. Up next is our Temple's Treasures episode. Find out what we talk about then. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> We're a temple of a false pod where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. 
And I'm Andrew. Have a great night. May your fifth land be the temple. Mishra, one time. Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.